Welcome back. Um, today we're gonna go. We're gonna start our review of Pride and Prejudice, and I'm gonna start with a theme song. And this theme song is actually the a sort of a theme song between about um, Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy's relationship. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk go through this one real quick for a, l- a little bit, and then we'll probably uh, talk a little bit about the book as well. So I'm gonna start. Let's just start right with the song, and uh, it is the song is called "Open Secrets," and it is by Rush. And you'll find that I'll probably have a lot of theme songs by Rush because um, two reasons: one, I really like Rush; they are my favorite band. But secondly, is I just think Rush has a a tremendously good lyricist uh their drummer actually writes their all their lyrics for all their songs and um his name is neil pert and he's just an amazing lyricist so uh, i find that his lyrics have a lot more meaning to them than a lot of than a lot of music that that otherwise i listen to anyway so open secrets by rush and it starts off it went right by me at the time it went over my head. I was looking out the window. I should have looked at your face instead. And that lawn, that whole that stanza there just really makes me think of that the 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 very first time that they're together in the merit at the Meriton Ball. And and Mr. Darcy's not dancing with anybody. Uh, he's he's kind of being all solitary and yeah, and, and in a way, he's he's embarrassing his friend, Mr. Bingley, who is uh, dancing every dance and enjoying himself. And um, so Mr. Bingley, who's being really embarrassed in this moment, says, uh, tries to get him to dance. He says, oh, look, there's, you know, there's, there's this, uh, Jane's sister. So he's been dancing with Jane. And he says, oh, look, there's her sister. She's really pretty, too. And Mr. Darcy's response is what really kicks off the whole story. And that is, uh, she's handsome enough. She's tolerable enough, I suppose, but not handsome. Wait, tolerable, I suppose, but not handsome enough to tempt me. Sorry. That is one of my favorite lines to quote from anything ever. And I messed it up, but that's okay. It's amazing. So, so the point is, though, that he says it at a, at a time and in a place where Elizabeth overhears what he's saying. And if he had really been paying close enough attention to what he was doing, he probably would not have made that comment at that time and in that place. But he was, he was fr- I think he was already frustrated that he was being expected to be at the Meriton Ball. He, he's a shy guy. He doesn't do well in crowds. And, and then here's his friend trying to push him into uh, dancing with girls that he doesn't know. And so all he's meaning by it is, I don't want to dance right now. Leave me alone. But that's not what Elizabeth hears. And that's where this stanza comes in. He says, it went right by me, right? He, he just wasn't thinking it. It went by him. It didn't even, he didn't even think about it. At the time it went over my head, I was looking out the window. I should have looked at your face instead. And if he had been paying attention to Elizabeth and not just his own insecurities, he probably wouldn't have said what he did. Anyways, so that first stanza, I just think, really is a stanza that, that really speaks to that moment. Um, the next stanza is, it went right by me, just another wall, 
there should have been a moment when we let uh, our barriers fall. I never meant what you're thinking. That's not what I meant at all. Uh, yeah, I really like this um, this opening. I, I think it really speaks to kind of one of the main themes of this story of Pride and Prejudice that um, if you're aware, uh, the story when uh, Jane Austen was originally writing it, uh, her working title for it was First Impressions. And in a way, I almost think that would have been a better title for the book because it really is one of the most important themes in the story is that Elizabeth, who's the main point of view character within the story, um, is very much the kind of person who's quick to judge. She uh, she forms opinions of people really quickly based on her initial impression that she has of them. And so her view of Mr. Darcy is tainted in this moment because her initial impression is that he's a jerk who insulted her looks because he didn't want to dance. Right. And so, and so this stanza really speaks to, again, this, this whole idea, this, um, uh, he's talking about building up walls and barriers. And, and I think that's what happened in that moment. Her first impression of him was, became a wall and a barrier to her being able to have any kind of, um, any kind of semblance of a good relationship with him. Right. And Mr. Darcy is kind of introverted and a bit standoffish. And so his tendency in social situations in general is to set up walls and stuff like that, that he doesn't naturally enjoy interacting with people uh, and it's difficult for him. Right, so his so his walls from the beginning are what kind of what kind of set this whole thing in motion, which then for, then she then sets up walls to protect herself, and so then you've got these barriers there, right? And so he says, just another wall. There should have been a moment when we let our barriers fall. Neither one of them did. Their barriers are very very much up. And then I love that line. I never meant what you're thinking. That's not what I meant at all. And that is exactly what he's, so he makes this comment. And what's interesting is after he makes this comment, he actually finds very quickly that he's actually very attracted to Elizabeth. Yeah. And, and he's very cordial to her, very kind. There's moments in the book where he shows great kindness to her and he wants to be around her. He wants to associate with her, but his initial barriers and his initial walls of wall of of um, um, insecurities uh, really put up her barriers that now he can't overcome. Right, and even just shortly after the ball, uh, there's a scene where he has to make excuses to his friends because he was lost in thought thinking about her eyes. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. So it's, it's really fascinating. So when it says here, I, 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 uh, I never meant what you're thinking. It's not what I've meant at all. That's kind of going back. That's what he's kind of the whole, his whole character is going back to this. No, I'm just shy. I didn't mean to insult you. And, but, but by then her barriers are already up. And, and so, it, I mean, the, the story wouldn't exist if it wasn't for these barriers and walls that these two characters have. And it's just a fantastic um, story. So let's, let's go on to our next stanza. He says, well, I guess we all have these feelings. We can't leave unreconciled. Some of them uh, burned on our ceilings. Some of them learned as a child. The things that we're concealing will never let us grow. T 
time will do its healing, you've got to let it go. And um, I'll, I'll let Seth comment on that first, and then I'll make some comment. So the thing to me that stands out the most about this is actually the very last line, you've got to let it go, that it's, uh, we've established this, fe- this feeling of there being barriers up, that Mr. Darcy uh, doesn't interact well with people, and Elizabeth has this first impression of him that she can't let go of, and then in this stanza, we're kind of perpetuating that feeling that it feels like they're trapped in um, sort of this pattern of uh, naturally not being able to interact properly because of how they initially feel about each other and then talking about how time will heal and you have to let it go that that is the progression of the story that as time goes on and they get to know each other better they have to let go of their preconceptions uh so that they can come together better Right, absolutely. And I think uh, going off of that, he says, he says, well, I guess we all have these feelings and that you were talking about, you know, he's shy, he's introverted, he's, he's he, you know, we all have these feelings, we can't leave unreconciled, you know, so, so he's saying, you know, they both have these feelings, she's uh, uh, feeling averse to him because of what he said about her, he's feeling attracted to her, but he's kind of oblivious to her... <laughs> <laughs> to how much she's upset with him because yeah. he doesn't know about that she overheard him in that one instance and and it doesn't know that she's already set her mind to uh dislike him and and so there's this uh, we all have these feelings we can't leave unreconciled if we leave them unreconciled obviously things don't go well he says uh some of them burned on our ceilings and i just that image to me is just that Burn, something that's being burned in. It's like it's almost like a, um, you know, if if you work with cattle and and you do branding, they they burn in the mark that then that then the hair doesn't ever grow back. So it's there. It's always there. Um, and and I think for Elizabeth, that's what happened in that one moment when he made that comment. It burned into her ceiling. And, and then, and then, so some of them are burned into our ceiling and some of them learned as a child. And that kind of goes to Mr. Darcy. So the one burned into our ceiling, that's, that's Elizabeth. The comment Darcy made, it's burned into her ceiling. She can't, uh, reconcile that with him being a good man then, but then some of them learned as a child, Mr. Darcy is a little bit prideful as a, as a wealthy man. And, and he does look uh, look a little bit down on people who don't have the kind of relations that he has. I mean, he's got nobility in his relations. He's got very wealthy people in his relations. And, and he makes that clear when he proposes to her, there, his first proposal to Elizabeth. And he, sa- he says, uh, you know, he, he makes it clear to her that he had to, you know, it's not, it's, it wasn't, a, he, he didn't relish the idea of, uh, the, uh, of marrying into a family with such with relations so decidedly below his own, right? These are things that he learned as a child. It's yeah. it's something that came with him. Um, and then it goes on and says, "The things that we're concealing will never let us grow." And I think that to me really speaks to the the Wickham situation, because Mr. Darcy and Wickham are are old friends, and then Wickham, of course, becomes wild and 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 kind of breaks that friendship and even tries to seduce his, his little sister Georgiana. But Mr. Darcy 
is in this desire to protect his sister's reputation doesn't tell anybody about that situation and so they're all they're trying they're all making conjectures about why mr darcy and mr wickham uh don't aren't aren't you know are, are so cold and standoffish with each other and of course when mr wickham starts telling his story um a lot most of the women just just believe him because because they don't like mr darcy and and they want a reason it's especially Elizabeth Bennet, really wants a reason to dislike Mr. Darcy, and Mr. Wickham gives her that. And Darcy isn't telling a story. There's nothing to contrast it with. Right, and so, exactly. So that's where, you know, the things that we're concealing will never let us grow, and I think that is exactly true. And in fact, it's interesting because it's when Mr. Darcy does tell his story to Elizabeth, that's the moment that Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy's uh, relationship is able to start to actually grow. That there's the, those barriers and obstacles are there until that point. And then she has to, she kind of has to uh, open up a little bit and recognize, okay, there's, and, uh, and she makes the, the comment, there's only enough goodness to make, uh, there's only enough there to make one good man out of the two of them. And I, and I have to believe that it's Mr. Darcy and not Mr. Wickham. Uh, and so that's kind of goes to that. Anyways, so let's go to our next stanza. It says, uh, closed for my protection, open to your scorn between these two directions. My heart is sometimes torn. Um, so that's really interesting. Uh, I think if we're going off the, the tangent of talking about, uh, the storyline with Wickham, uh, the word protection in there makes me think a lot of probably my favorite part in the story for Mr. Darcy's character, which is when, uh, Wickham, uh, runs away with Elizabeth's sister, Lydia. He's the one who is the most active in trying to find them and put a stop to this really negative situation and he's not doing it for the sake of his own self and his own uh reputation or because he dislikes wickham uh it uh it's a bit complicated to explain but if you read the story uh it's very obvious that the reason that he's so passionate about it and that he's uh going after wickham and is so De- so determined to be the one to find him uh, is because he wants to protect Elizabeth. And and I, I think that's a really good point. He is about protection, really. He's in, Initially, he's keeping the secret from everybody because he's trying to protect Dor- Georgiana. Yeah. And then when Lydia does run off with Mr. Wickham, he, he's so in love with Elizabeth now also that he's willing to do whatever it takes to protect Elizabeth. Yeah. And so protection is, so he says closed for my protection. That's, he's not open. He doesn't talk about these things. He's closed for his protection or the protection of the people that he's closest to. And then he says, open, open to your scorn. He's trying to decide how much can I tell you and how much do I need to keep, keep to myself. And so when he does open up to Elizabeth, that's that open to your scorn. And between these two directions, my heart is sometimes torn. And I think in that, when he's writing the letter to Elizabeth, there's definitely this, feeling of what I call cognitive dissonance this I, I I have to defend myself but I don't I don't want to I don't want to have to tell this story to anybody and I don't want to have to not and not only that even knowing that Mr. Bingley was in uh, or that that Jane was in town and not telling Mr. Bingley he kind of opens up about everything 
And he says, um, so, so there's that moment where he really is, that closed for my protection, open to your scorn, between these two directions, my heart is sometimes torn. And that's where we really see that in that writing of that letter. Yeah. And you've got, you got that push and pull between the two different values and, and parts of, of who he is that are in conflict. That's what that cognitive dissonance is. Right. So then the next stanza, I lie awake with my secrets spinning around my head, something that somehow escaped me, something you shouldn't have said. I was looking out the window. I should have looked at your face instead. And I think this comes back again uh, to, um, you know, we're, we're talking about these these secrets that Mr. Darcy is holding. And and I, I do think he has these these moments where these secrets are kind of spinning around his head, and and especially I think what you taught what you talked about before, Seth, about when Lydia runs off with Mister Wickham. That's where I think I think Mister Darcy. I I lie awake with my secrets spinning around my head, something that somehow escaped me, something you shouldn't have said. I think that's that moment where he's really this is that that piece that's speaking to that moment where he's realizing, oh, I didn't. I didn't open up, and as a result, I've hurt more people um, and people that I that I've come to really love and care about. So, so that it's this inability to sleep and this need to get out and and take care of things. Um, and then it says, "I was looking out the window. I should have looked at your face instead." And that just goes back to that whole idea that sometimes Mr. Darcy's a little oblivious to the things that are going on around him and he's recognize and he recognizes that I need, I need to be paying a bit closer attention to what is happening in my life and in my story. Definitely true. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, I don't know if I have that much more to add to this part. I think, I think you covered that really well. Okay. So our, our last, the last stanza of the song, it says, I find no absolution in my rational point of view. Maybe some things are instinctive, but there's one thing that you could do. You could try to understand me. I could try to understand you. If that isn't the perfect ending to a theme song about Darcy and Elizabeth's relationship, I don't know what is. I think if you aren't if you weren't convinced before that this song is the right song to pick for their their characters, uh, you should be now. <laughs> And, and really, it really is. It does, you know, I find no absolution in my rational point of view. So both of them are realizing at this point, I, the, my point of view, the way that I've handled this relationship uh, before, I, I'm not finding any, there's no resolution. There's no nothing. It's it, this rational point of view that I've had is wrong. Right. And then, and then maybe uh, some things are instinctive. But there's one thing that you could do, right? He's, they're saying there's one thing that, that they can do. You can try to understand me. I can try to understand you. And this is just wonderful. As And that really, in my opinion, that part starts trying to understand each other right after Mr. Darcy proposes. And they, and they kind of insult each other back and forth. Yeah. Um, but then they walk away from it and they both realize, maybe I haven't been thinking about this person the way that I really should have been thinking about this person. Right, and this is the first point within the story at which each one of them is able to put aside the first impression that they had of the other person, where Elizabeth think, starts thinking about Darcy and thinking about what kind of person is he really beyond just what I initially thought he was. 
And Darcy has to start thinking about Elizabeth beyond just the initial attraction that he had to her. And both of them have to are kind of forced in this moment to consider what kind of a person are they really. And that's where the first impressions begin to break down and you get the message of the story that those first impressions maybe don't really represent people as well as you might think. Absolutely. And 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 what and the other thing I love about this is from that point they they actually they don't come back together again after that for quite a while. In fact, the next time I if I if I remember correctly, the next time they come back together is when she is with her aunt and uncle and they are visiting um her aunt's home you know, where she grew up, which is it right there by Darcy's, Darcy's home. And they, and they decide to go and visit Darcy's home because they understand that he's out of town. So they're not worried about running into him or Elizabeth isn't. And, uh, he comes home early and actually meets her there at his house. And it's, and, and from there, so, so she's already had to, and he has already had to really rethink how they feel about the other person and had to rethink and try to understand the other person more fully and completely. And from there, from, from that moment that they're in, that they meet at his home at Pemberley, there's a, a much greater understanding. In fact, one of the things I love is how Mr. Darcy gets really close to her aunt and uncle uh, Gardner. And in the, in the earlier part, he, he alludes to them being them specifically as being some of the people that she's connected to that are below him yeah. that are they're there. He's a, he's a businessman. He doesn't, he, you know, he, he doesn't have all property. And, um, and yet once he meets them at his home where he's comfortable, he, he's able to accept them wholeheartedly and and she is able to see him in his own element and see him around the people who have grown up with him who know him well and and so both of them are starting to really understand each other in a very different way he had only known her through her family as as in through her parents and her sisters who were really uh not really good examples of who she was and she had really only known him in in situations where he was uncomfortable with people that he didn't know which was not a good representation of who he was so now they're starting to understand each other better and the rest of the story kind of builds that understanding that they have with each other uh i don't know it's uh i think this is the theme song just really, really works for me. Um, I, I've i listened to this song before, but not really closely. Uh, so um, it's interesting t- to hear uh, those lyrics and things. And I feel like it's to the point that if I, I feel like if I had listened to it really closely before, I probably would have made the same connection that you did with this being a theme song for Elizabeth and Darcy specifically because it's so perfectly suited for their situation. So uh, I think you did an excellent job at picking this one. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, podcast 
Uh, and really, the next for the next several podcasts, we're going to talk about more about Pride and Prejudice. This theme song was about Elizabeth and Darcy's relationship and the progression of their relationship. We will probably do a few other theme songs as we go through the book, but we're also going to take some time to really just talk about what are some of the values that this book has in um, and in ways that I might use it as a as a life coach or a therapist. Um, and and Seth will talk a little bit about kind of some of the critical uh, from from a uh, from a critique uh, viewpoint of the writing itself. Um, so I hope you enjoyed this one. Go out, read a good book, listen to good music. We'll talk to you later.